Welcome to the Truth Wars Podcast with Dr. Olin Stubbs. Olin has recently published a new book titled Bible Crawling, Finding Joy in God by Journaling Through the Psalms. You can find Olin's book on whipandstock.com. That's W-I-P-F and stock.com, as well as amazon.com. Now, here's Olin. So if you have a Bible, let's open up to Psalm chapter 42. Psalm 42, and while you turn there, I'll pray for us. Father God, we thank You for Your Word, and we pray for these next few minutes together. Lord, it's been a long day, it's been a good day, but You would give us energy, You would give us vitality, You would give us mental focus, You would protect us from the evil one, that He would not come and snatch the Word out of our minds or even blind us uh, to Your goodness and glory that we can see in the Word. But Lord, would You speak to all of us personally? Would You say something to each of us through Your Word uh, to inspire, to encourage, to motivate us, to make us into the men, the women, uh, the leaders, the laborers, the ministers you want us to be. Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, a lot of times in you know Bible, spiritual, Christian circles, you'll hear people say things like, well, if you're in full-time ministry, it's like there's a target on your back that Satan is coming after you. You ever heard something like that? Or maybe you've even said something like that? And I think there's a lot of truth to that, but I don't know that we oftentimes spend enough time thinking about what the implications of that really mean. And I think at minimum, if Satan can get us to a place of being dry, bored, just going through the motions in our time alone with the Lord, however he can get us there, he would be very pleased by that. And so this is something that we need to be serious about. Um, I think when you think back over just church history, but I'm just going to focus on Bible history for a second, some of the leaders of some of the greatest spiritual movements and revivals of all time really wrestled with this problem of depression, dryness. Think about in the Old Testament. Maybe the two greatest revivals in the Old Testament were led by Elijah and Jonah. And right after they were over, they were praying, God, just kill me. I'm sick of life. Uh, So you can have the biggest movement on the campus, right? You can get the answer to revival and it not satisfy the depths of your soul. Um, Think about in the New Testament, John the Baptist, who Jesus said, John the Baptist is the greatest man who's ever lived up until now. And then when he went to prison, he was the one doubting, saying, are you really the Messiah or should we look for another? So if it can happen to them, it can happen to us. Now, there's at least two wrong ways to respond to the problem of spiritual dryness. One would be just to stuff it. And soldier on. Pretend like it doesn't bother me, it doesn't matter, look how tough I am for Jesus, and just soldier on. You might, you might have to do that in the short run. But if you make a practice of that in the long run, it's not good. And sometimes what I have seen people do is they do it with almost this kind of naivete. It's almost a willful blindness. Oh, everything's fine. This is normal. Whether it's normal or not is, a, is a, maybe a discussion for a different time. It's not good. And you shouldn't be satisfied with it. And, and here's... Here's maybe the main reason you shouldn't be satisfied with it. The human heart was made to experience joy. And if you're not experiencing joy in the proper ways in the Lord, eventually you will go find joy, even a counterfeit form of joy, somewhere else. Right? The human body needs water. And you all probably heard these survival stories before of maybe... Uh, somebody, especially in war, that's in a, in a ship that sinks or shot down over the ocean, and at some point they get so thirsty, even though they know, they, they've heard, salt water actually will not quench your thirst. It will actually dehydrate you. But you can get so desperate, you're like, I don't care. I want liquid in my body. You're drinking something that's actually poisoning you. And we do the same thing, guys, with sinful substitutes. 
So you can't be content with spiritual dryness because eventually you're going to run to something. And it may be something really obviously bad like pornography. It might be something a lot more seemingly innocent like just being a workaholic for Jesus on the campus. But both can take you to a really bad place. So don't just stuff it. The pendulum, if you swung it all the way to the other side, would be something more like this. Just this self-pity party, right? Just woe is me, life is so hard, everybody needs to hear my you know, sad story and have compassion for me, and I can't get out of bed because a freshman didn't call me back yesterday. <laughs> and listen, that's not a good way to respond to it either. And as always, the Bible has a better way in the middle. Um, So we're going to look at Psalm chapter 42 and really 43. They go together. Almost certainly they were one psalm uh, originally. We don't know for sure who wrote it. It may have been David that was set to music later. It may have been somebody else. But here's what we know. It was somebody that was in some form of leadership in the Old Testament people of God that for whatever reason was far from the city of Jerusalem. Maybe he was a POW in another city or town. Uh, Maybe he was just sick. Maybe the person was uh, David actually running from an enemy. But we want to learn how do I persevere in prayer and persevere really through prayer in the seasons of dryness. Okay, so the first thing is just the idea of panting. Look at Psalm chapter 42, verses 1. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God. So this guy's longing to experience God and His presence, His nearness. Not just to know the facts about God, but to have the feeling of the facts. He wants intimacy. He wants nearness. And hopefully, when you're dry, there's at least desire. There may not be delight, but hopefully there's at least a desire to delight in God. And I would say, because you can get to a place where you're so dry, you almost just don't care anymore, right? It's just kind of like, forget it. Who cares? And if that's where you find yourself, one of the best things you can do is pray, God, give me a sense of spiritual thirst. Don't leave me in this carelessness. That's a terribly dangerous place to be. Verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So part of what he's probably thinking about here is corporate worship. Okay, this is not going to be a talk on the importance of corporate worship. But just, just really practically, one of the reasons that group prayer, group worship... Sunday morning church, things like that are so important, is that when you're cold inside, when you feel dead inside, sometimes if you just get with some other believers that are more passionate and you start hearing them pray, seeing them sing and worship, it can almost catch flame in your heart, right? I heard an old story. I don't remember who told it. I, I wish that I could, but uh, of a, you know, a pastor of a small church, and there was a man in the church that was not doing great, and he uh, kind of cold and hard, and he finally just quit coming to church because he was so miserable. And he was depressed and in a bad mood, and he almost didn't want to talk to anybody. Right? You ever, you know, don't even try to. I'm, I'm without hope. Don't even talk to me. So one day the pastor went over to his house, and the man was sitting there in front of a fire. And uh, the pastor sat down next to him, never said a word. But at one point he kind of reached and got you know the poker or whatever, and he took one of the coals of the embers out of the fire, and he just kind of pushed it all the way over the side. And he just waited until it got really cold, and then he reached down and he pushed it back in the middle of the fire. And it warmed back up. And then he got up and he just left. He never said anything. And the guy showed back up at church the next morning. Okay? Because he realized when you feel cold and dead, one of the best, I mean, listen, especially when you're in full-time ministry, what's your instinct? I'm supposed to be the spiritual leader, right? I'm supposed to be the one showing up, singing songs about the joy of the Lord, and I feel miserable. I'd rather just sleep in. I don't have to tell people about my misery. But the best thing you could do would be show up and talk about your misery and say, pray for me. I'm just a weak sinner like you. 
Okay, that, that can be such a helpful thing. Tim Keller says this, Human beings need the sense of God's presence and love as much as the body pants after water. I mean, do you, do you really believe that? I, I, I like to watch some of these survival shows on TV sometimes. And, um, you know, one of the things, what are, they, what are they always looking for first? Water. And you know, I think the human body, best case scenario, can go about three days without any water. Do we really believe? I couldn't go three days without the sense of God's presence and love. I don't think most of us do. Most of us are probably very used to going much longer than that without it. Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So someone was taunting this man. Okay? Someone was saying to him, where's your God? Your God's a joke. Your God's not real. You ever feel that way, right? Whether it's non-Christian, campus administrators, angry parents, hurt students, your teammate that doesn't like your leadership for whatever reason, right? You're not a great leader. You don't seem like you're really a spirit-filled person or something. And listen, we say sticks and stones, you know, can hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me. And that's just a total load of crap, is it not? Because there really is a spiritual satanic presence that can take the words of human beings and pierce them deep into our souls. So what do you do about that? Well, one thing, you, you tell the Lord, that, that, that hurt. You know, I tried to be tough and stomach it when they said it. But Lord, I'm hurting. I'm struggling here. I'm dealing with doubt. Okay? And guys... When you're spiritually dry, don't assume that your enemies are right. Don't assume God's angry at you. One of the things John Newton says is that sometimes God will put us in a place of spiritual dryness to help us grow, to help us mature, to help our roots go down deeper into God, into His Word. Verse 4, These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. The phrase there, pour out my soul within me. Tim Keller said uh, basically what the psalmist is saying there is get in touch with your emotions. There's a right way for men and women, right? I don't care what culture you're from. Biblically, that's the culture I'm interested in, right? What do the people in the Bible do? That's the culture I want to be connected to. To get in touch with your emotions before the Lord whether it fits in your family or not, because it will help you go deeper spiritually. Verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. So there's a right way to talk to yourself, rebuke yourself, question yourself. What's wrong? Why are you acting this way? You know better. It's a good thing. It's a biblical thing. So he starts out with kind of this panting, this sense of desperation. And then he's going to move into more of a mode of preaching. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Okay? Look at verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan. Again, part of what he's saying is I'm far from you. But, but I remember the good times. I'm miserable but I'm, but I'm not going to let the misery overcome me. I remember there are good times still out there. Look at verse 7. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Years ago, this is about 20 years ago, worked for a ministry called Campus Outreach. We do a thing called Beach Project. Probably different ministries have things that are similar. Summer-long thing at the beach. And at the very end of the summer, there was a uh, hurricane that came in. 
And so we had to evacuate all the students. All the students left. It was literally like the last day. It was terrible because like just a, a, about 10 staff stayed down there, weathered the storm, and we had to clean everything up. But the next day, you know, the, it was kind of a minor hurricane, but it was a hurricane nonetheless. The waves were bigger than I'd ever seen the waves in Panama City, Florida. And I was like, man, this would be the perfect time to go swimming. Now, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I used to be on a swim team at one point in my life, but it was one of the stupidest decisions of my life, right? I was like, watch this. I'm going to see how far out I could go. I did not go very far, and I thought I was going to drown at one point. Um, in a sense, what this guy is saying is, God, I feel like I'm in the ocean and waves just are crashing over my head. It's like these hits just keep coming. You ever had a season like that in your life? It's like me and my wife are really missing each other. We are not getting along. She is not my spiritual encouragement right now. And then my kids, i got to be honest, they're not really fun and easy. I'm not even sure I like them right now. <laughs> and then campus teammates, let's don't even talk about it. Students, they don't even show up. And I'll be honest, I'm glad they ditched me because I didn't want to see them this morning anyway. <laughs> right? It, it's just like there, there are times where you feel like the waves are just crashing over your head. Again, what do you do? Do you stuff it? Do you soldier on? Do you just go die in a pile and have a pity party and wallow in it? Or do you get along with the Lord and, in a sense, vomit out your emotions to Him? He can handle it, guys. He invites you to do it. Look at verse 8. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime, and His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. So, guys, what He's doing here, uh, Psalm 138, verse 8, the very first part says, The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Another commentator said this, uninhibited speaking is followed by clear thinking. Hear me for a second. One of the dangers of being in ministry is we know so many of the right answers that when we're having that hard season of suffering and somebody's like, hey, how you doing? Like, well, you know, everything in my world's falling apart, but God's sovereign, Romans 8, 28, you saw it, I'm great. <laughs> and we're so quick to slap a Band-Aid verse on it, right? Listen. I'm all for quoting Romans 8.28. The whole point I'm saying is preach the truth to yourself. But it's better, it's more genuine, it's more valid in a sense to vent first and then preach truth. That's what the psalmist is doing. Here's how bad it is. Here's how miserable it is. Yet I know it's not going to stay this way. I know it's going to get better. I mean, isn't that how it works in your best friendships with other human beings? The ones you really love, you really trust, you really expect, you feel like, I can let my hair down, I can be totally honest, like, I am struggling. I am not happy. I'm not in a good mood. I do not have pure motivations in my heart right now about going to the campus. But I do want to hear the truth. I do some marriage counseling from time to time, and sometimes what I'll do when I feel like the people are not really communicating well is like, okay, we're going to go either the husband first, the wife first. Now, listen, I want you to just put all your emotions out on the table. Even if they're not true, don't try to edit it. Just get them out there. And the other person is like, just trust me. This is going to be hard, but just listen. You know, and the person will just maybe say ten things. I actually had a situation like this recently. And it's like, okay, to so the guy now, what do you think? He's like, well, I don't know that I agree with all that. It's like, okay, we're going to come back and put truth on it and clarify. But sometimes just to get it out on the table then you can start speaking the truth to it accurately. But if it stays stuffed, it's almost like a question. What do they really believe? What are they really thinking? And guys, this is healthy for us in our time alone with the Lord. Get it all out there and then start speaking the truth to yourself. Okay, vent and then preach the truth. 
David Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, pastor, preacher in London, last century. Many would say the greatest preacher of the 20th century. He's got a famous sermon on Psalm 42. He says this, Most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. The, listen, listen to this statement. The most important thing in the matter of spiritual living is to know how to handle yourself. Most of us don't believe that. Well, if I knew how to handle my wife better, my husband better, my kids better, my staff partners better, my students better. But the most important thing, you really want to be spiritually happy in life, is handle yourself. Most of us spend way too much time letting the negative self-talk come in. We're experts at that, aren't we? You failure. You blew it. Moron. What's wrong with you? You're lagging behind. And what Lloyd-Jones is saying is you have to stop just listening to all the... Ne- and you have to start preaching truth like this man is doing. Stop it. What's wrong with you? You're going to hope in God again. God is real. He's the victor. You're one of His people. It's dark now. But the morning's coming. One of the things I was having the conversation with a senior student recently and they were talking about some of their feelings and I was like, you know, you, you don't have to keep feeling this way. And the attitude was kind of like, I can't help it. I was like, yes, you can help it. You know, you, we are not helpless before our emotions. Through prayer, through meditation. I'm not, I'm not saying that our emotions are a light switch that we can just say, I'd like to be happy now. Turn on the light switch. I'm not saying it's that easy. It might be like a wrestling match in prayer and meditation. But we don't have to just lay down. John Calvin said this. Just listen to this. Many evil thoughts which constantly arise in our minds. The soul of man serves the purpose of a workshop to Satan in which to forge a thousand methods of despair. You hear what he's saying there? I mean, we've probably all heard the phrase, uh, you know, idle hands of the devil's workshop. You ever heard that? What John Calvin says is, I'll tell you what the devil's workshop is. It's every human soul. He's a master of getting in there and planting lies and accusations and thoughts of despair. And if he wants to make anybody despairing, who would he want to make despairing more than ministers of the gospel? Because if I'm doubting the power of the gospel in life, how winsome and bold and free am I going to be in sharing with others? If deep down I'm like, I don't even know if this stuff really works. I mean, it might get you to heaven, but your life's going to be miserable because mine's miserable. Not very motivating, all right? Look at verse 9. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? So he's still pouring out the same stuff and he's still counseling himself. Verse 11, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. Here's one of the major things that I, it's one of those things like I I feel like God's taught me, but I'm still learning because I'm a slow learner. Just because you had a really good quiet time or devotion one morning, just because you had one like night of staying up all night and you had a really fervent time of prayer with some friends, just because maybe you had like a whole week of fasting 
Maybe you had a whole month and you were like more devoted and surrendered than you'd ever been. Maybe you had a whole year where purity and holiness was good. Here's the point. Until you see Jesus face to face, you're not out of the battle. And there's going to be some of the places in your life that you have to go back over again. This guy's writing scripture. That's how spirit-filled he was. His words were spirit-filled. They got inspired, recorded for all history. And yet, we're going to see him three different times. He had to keep going back. Why are you still in despair? There is no magic bullet. If I say it this way, feel it this way one time. It's a lifelong wrestling match in prayer with the Word. Don't grow weary of the fight. Listen, we got a great retirement plan, guys. It's called heaven. Bliss. Purity, right? No more struggle with indwelling sin. Aren't you excited about that one? But we're not home yet. Don't be shocked. Stay in the fight. So, guys, this is the pattern of almost the majority of the Psalms for sure. They start with more of this panting, right? This desperation, this thirsty, this misery. Then they go to kind of preaching, meditation, and then they end in praising. So look at Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Listen, if there are people that are falsely accusing you, and if you're in ministry long enough, just get ready for it. And don't be surprised when it comes, and especially if it's friendly fire. Don't spend too much time and energy trying to vindicate yourself. You ever been in a situation, if you're being falsely accused and you spend all this time trying to defend yourself and prove, how's that usually work out for you? usually end up more frustrated and kind of looking more guilty because you're being so defensive, even if the truth's on your side. I'm not saying there's never a way to speak up, but I'm saying your energies will be much better if you just say, Lord Jesus, would you fight this battle for me? I'm just going to work on trying to walk faithfully with you. You defend me. Verse 2, For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling place. He is saying in verse 3, God, it's not enough for me to have an intellectual acquaintance with the fact that you are truth, that you are light, that you are warmth, that you are beauty, that you're inside. I need to feel it. Another danger of full-time ministry. We could probably all pass the theology exam. And that's important to be able to pass the theology exam. But if you can just pass the theology exam and you know all the facts, but you never feel the reality of the facts, it's not going to last. That can get you through a few dark nights. Lord, I trust you even though I don't feel you. But the long run, it's like, no, no, I need to feel the reality of your love, of your presence, of your smile. And you wrestle in prayer for it like this. Verse 4, Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my excellent joy, and upon the lyre I shall praise you, O God, my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise Him again. So, he's brutally honest about the darkness, the despair, the dryness, the depression. And yet, he keeps coming back to a final hope and confidence. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So, uh, application. I think one of the best things that every Christian can do is take one psalm a day. I love the psalms, right? Because they're written written as prayers. They're written as meditations. You can do this with any part of the Bible. The psalms are just easier 
And life is hard enough, right? Don't make life harder. Stack the deck in your favor. And the Psalms are so emotive, guys. And listen, too many Westerners, okay? And I love being a Westerner. And I'm thankful for John Wayne and Clint Eastwood and all those people. But, but the problem is, we kind of buy into this lie of the strong, silent type. And that's a lie. Okay? It might be good American, but it ain't good Bible. Because real strength comes from the honesty to be humble about, here's where I'm struggling, and wrestle it out. And the, and the Psalms just prime the pump, right? I mean, if you're one of those people, and I used to be one of these people, and I still probably kind of am, when somebody's like, how are you feeling? You're like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if I know any emotional words except anger, right? <laughs> I know about that one. It's like, read the Bible. And specifically, read the Psalms. And it helps get you there. But uh, th- there are so many days. I mean, this happened to me Sunday morning. What was that, two days ago? Wake up, right? Got to have a quiet time. Get ready for church, right? And uh, open your Bible and it's just like, I don't, I, this is not how I would choose to spend my time right now. You ever there? Like, I'm doing this out of duty. But in my experience, if you start in duty and you're honest about it, oftentimes you'll end in the light. By the end, you're like, I'm so glad I started here. Start in duty, end in the light. Now, guaranteed, if you haven't yet, you will. You will face times of darkness, despair, and depression in ministry. But remember, you're in good company. Elijah, Jonah, John the Baptist, other famous ministry guy named Jesus. <laughs> who never had any sin. So this is really instructive for us. Because at least in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember, he said, my soul is sorrowful to the point of death. I mean, if that's not depression, I don't know what is. I just need my three best buddies just to stay awake and pray with me. And they were worthless. And think about how he prayed, guys. Now, if ever there was a guy that could have said, I know all the right answers, right? He could have said, God, I mean, I know how this whole thing's going to work out. I was actually up there in heaven planning with you. And uh, so it's it's cool. I got it because I know the right answers. He was the guy. He knew the right answers better than all of us put together. And yet, in some sense, that was not enough. I mean, he poured out the emotional feelings of his soul. He vented his heart to God. I don't like this. I don't want this. Is there any other way? Very honest, very raw. Even the point of, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He knew why. And yet he still didn't like it. Emotionally, he's wrestling with it. But he persevered in prayer. You know the book of Job? Job gets pretty angry at God. He yells at God. He he borderline comes close to cussing God. (laughs) And and at the end, Job gets rebuked, rightly so. But he also gets praised, right? And and the point was because the one thing Job never quit doing is he never quit talking to God. So I got four kids, three sons, and most of them like me most of the time. Um, (laughs) But we've had rough patches, right? And... One of the things I've said to my boys is, listen, I would, I would rather you do whatever it takes to stay in communication with me. Even if that means yelling and cussing and screaming at me. I don't prefer yelling and cussing and screaming. But if it's yelling and cussing and screaming versus just shut down, cold shoulder, don't talk to me anymore, I'd take this because I want to stay in communication because there's at least a chance the relationship continues than if you just shut your heart down. 
God the Father the same way. Listen, I, if you don't walk out of here and say, hey, that guy said we should cuss God in prayer. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I am saying if it's like, I'm just going to totally shut God off, quit talking to him, or, I'd rather you keep talking. Whatever you're saying. That's my sign. I guess I should be done. All right? So, um, listen. The greatest example in the whole Bible and all of history of how to persevere in the place of prayer and the place of dryness and the place of darkness is the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrestling, the honesty, the humility, the vulnerability, the transparency. But guys, where did He end those prayers? Yet not my will but thine. In a sense, that was Him coming back preaching truth even now. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be faithful. Even if I don't like it. And guys, what's so beautiful and powerful about that is that's why He is the only one worthy to be so much more than just a model and example. He's the Savior. He's the substitute. He's the atoning sacrifice. He's the risen one. So that when you and I blow it and we fumble and we fail and we don't pray or we sleep in or we do go down a pile of pity or we try to be... Whatever. Don't make excuses for that stuff. But don't beat yourself up either. Because there's mercy. There's forgiveness. There's a covering. And that ought to be our greatest hope in the darkest times. God the Father rejected Jesus Christ on the cross in the place of me and all His people. And so even though I may feel rejected right now, I have 100% confidence I am not rejected because a substitute was rejected in my place and therefore I am accepted in His place even when I don't feel it. Lord Jesus, we love You. We don't love You enough. But thank you that you love us so much in your faithfulness. Increase our joy in you. Increase our discipline. Increase our hope. I pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of Truth Wars with Dr. Olin Stubbs. We want to remind you to please leave a review for this podcast wherever you listen and to share this podcast with any friends or family that you think may be blessed by Olin's teaching.